This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. And I hate these guys. So, Billy, how many, just how many women have you been sleeping with? <laughs> well, not as many as Ted Cruz, apparently. <laughs> Can you believe where we are right now in this? It's, um, I can believe it. Because I'm, well, it's I can because it's cartoon. Donald. Because it's Donald Trump. It's what. Tr- this is what you, folks out there who listen, who maybe listen to our podcast, and are Trump supporters. This is what you get when you introduce a cartoon character into a serious political and policy debate. This is what you get. You get people reacting to Trump with photos of his wife, saying, "Is this really who you want for first lady?" Which I think is a fair question to ask. I think if you're gonna if your if your family's gonna we can get into this discussion too about family campaigning if you can go after them. But an anti-Trump super PAC posts a picture a a nude picture or mostly nude picture of Melania Trump and saying, "Is this who you want? Essentially, is this who you want for first lady?" And Trump responds by blasting Ted Cruz and Ted Cruz's wife, saying he's got dirt on Heidi Cruz, and then posting a picture of Heidi Cruz, essentially calling her ugly. This is what you get, ladies and gentlemen, because now where are we, Billy? Now what's happening? We're in a cartoon. We are in a cartoon. The National Enquirer has now, the National Enquirer, who's, is it their CEO, is friends with Trump, is now putting out a story that allegedly uh, Ted Cruz has had affairs with at least five different women. That's where we are. And you <sighs> get to this point in the campaign, you get to this you get to the point where you're having penis jokes at nationally televised debates because you introduced a cartoon into this serious political process. Well, I think, you know, ugh, it's this has been strange on so many levels. And I don't I, we don't know. We can only assume why these things are happening and we could assume friendships and we can assume uh, relationships and smear campaigns and all of that. I think the wife stuff was, uh, it, it was a little unsettling. And I don't know. I don't like the idea of going after wives or husbands and kids. I think if the wife has said or done something, and, and in this case, we could debate whether or not you know practically nude photos count. I mean, she was a model, right? Right. Um, and she did do nude photos. Right. And she was. A, I mean, she was a model. Would she do those things now? Probably not. She's a mother. And, yes. You know, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I guess we don't know. We go. We don't. We don't really know. know. We don't know. I, I would. Guess I mean, she. she I will say Melania is pretty impressive. I'll give her that. For whatever yeah. people think about Trump, she's actually surprisingly impressive. Right. Interviews I've listened to with her, she's she comes across as very intelligent. I think she's thoughtful. She seems she at least comes across as not your stereotypical billionaire's wife, if there is such a thing. But I mean, she comes across as kind and thoughtful and not snooty. In in the interviews that I've seen, she comes down as very she comes across as very down to earth to me. 
And just, not very shocked by questions, able to right. handle them. I'm sure they prepared her, obviously, but but able to do it with ease. And, yeah. you know, she's got a heavy accent and all of that, but she doesn't seem – some people are very self-conscious of that. She doesn't seem self-conscious. She seems to really be able to answer the questions. Yeah, I, I think the bigger the bigger problem is, is this what we want? Our politics were already so bad. We had yeah. a president presidential candidate who was promising us that he was going to deliver hope and I change. Know, and I know. We were going to love each other and the rainbows were going to drop Skittles all over us and we could just open our mouths and eat them from the sky. And, you know, here we are worse than ever. Yeah. And he can't – Obama can't totally be blamed for that, but he certainly didn't fix the problem. And now it's even worse. Yeah. Oh, it's just – it's it's our, our – our, and – it has become a blood sport, and we televise it like a blood sport. We televise it like it's an actual sporting competition of some kind. I mean, and that's and that's a big part of the problem is the way that we have we have an as an audience have consumed it from the media is that we've allowed it to be treated like a sport, and so now that's why you get to these point where people will sacrifice their principles all just to beat the other person with the other party behind their name. So all these yeah. people who will sacrifice to me sacrifice their principles to vote for Donald Trump simply because it has an R after his name and he's not Hillary Clinton. So here's it becomes, where I, it becomes, here's te- where, becomes teams rather than, you know, principles. I agree. I think where this becomes more problematic in light of what we talked about last week, right now I think the appropriate thing to do is try to figure out is there a way to get another candidate if that's what you want. Right. I think in a general election it becomes a little more complicated because one of those people is going yep. to be president no matter mm-hmm. what. So, you know, to just add to what I said last week because I did I was getting tweets from some people who, you know, didn't love what I was saying. Um, you know, and I think I said this last week too. I think this is an appropriate time to have those discussions, but I do think when it becomes Trump and Hillary, the never Trump people really have to make that decision. And yeah. you know, you can sit it out, and that's fine. But if you sit it out, you are handing a you know a slip over to over to Hillary, yeah. and and that's fine. If that's what you believe is right. Some people will vote for Hillary, and right. some people will vote for Trump. But I'm but I'm saying my thing is, and and yes, it becomes an anti-Hillary thing, and there, and it's okay to be anti a person i guess when it comes to hillary because you don't want you know what that person stands for what they believe in but if there were a a moderate democrat who was running it was going to be the republic the democratic nominee running against trump right then there are still people who would support trump even though this this moderate democrat might agree with them on more things than trump does that they would support trump simply because he has the r after his name we've turned it all into just a sport where our team has to beat the other team and it's no it's like it's a, the arena of ideas and we have to push ideas forward, not simply parties and teams. And that's, but so you don't like, you don't like when uh, family members are targeted by other campaigns. I don't know. It's complicated. There was the, there was the Michelle Obama thing where she was on the campaign. Tra- I think if you say or do something on the campaign trail or you have something that you're unrepentant for in your past, I guess it could be fair game, but I just don't like it because it really has not it doesn't really have a lot to do with the person who's running. Yes, they're married to that person, but the fact of the matter is if we're going to hold spouses up and make them make big issues of their past, then Hillary shouldn't be able to run either because <laughs> I mean, let's let's be honest. Right. So, but the, the I just to me it's just it's a little bit of a low way of getting at somebody because it has nothing to do with policy. No, what I where I Here's 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 where I stand, and it's more in lines with what Doc Thompson says. I think, if I remember, if I'm hearing him correctly, and this is where I stand: if you are going to campaign using a member of your family as part of your campaign, including your six-month-old baby, everybody you use as part of your campaign to this is 
part of why you should elect me president should automatically be fair game for any of your opponents. Including, <sighs> if you bring, if you, listen, if, if Ted Cruz brings his daughters up, I, I've never, his daughters seem like lovely girls, right? But if Ted Cruz brings his daughters up to campaign with him after a debate or after a speech and they're up there with him, that is, look at me, I'm a family man, look at my beautiful family. That's what that is. And that's fine. It's a fine thing to campaign on. If it's worth, if those people are relevant to my decision to support you, then your opponents should be able to say, no, there are reasons to oppose you, right? And even if it's something as asinine as, boy, his little girls are just ugly, right? You don't point out how ugly somebody's little kids are. Well, you're the one campaigning with them. You're the one bringing them yeah, on stage. You're, the one, bringing, no, no, you're no. the one bringing them up on stage saying, these these two ugly little kids are a reason to support me. I'm saying, no, those two little ugly kids are reasons to oppose you. No, I, I, here's if you're the problem, gonna, If though, you're going but, to introduce but, someone into your campaign... To, but you have to, no to choice. You can't win a repeat. The Republicans want to see the family. They want to see oh this beautiful family unit. You you are not going to if you if you walk around a uh, Lindsey Graham anyone if you walk <laughs> around you know without that family which is everyone knows that a family has traditionally yeah, been what is yeah. needed in politics. So it's sort of a double edged sword. I but mean all parties I don't think kids are does, ever on limits all, at all. Kids all, are definitely never. No on no limits. no. I, if you're going to bring them into the campaign, they become they they if, have to be in the campaign. If There's you're no campaigning choice. with them, then they become fair game. Democrats no, are. Republican. Never fair game. Kids I think. I think Chelsea should have been fair game. No for, way against the Democrats. And I think. No absolute, way. If absolutely. something a kid does while the president's in office that is problematic or is perceived as problematic, then in that case, they're fair game in terms of that action. But I don't think yeah. kids should ever be now, fair I, game. I, now, I think that's the lowest form now, of if politics. You're some, if you're somebody who's got a teenager who's got drug problems, but that teenager's not out there campaigning with you, and that sort, of, then then that that then that's not the kid who's who should be fair game. But once you well, bring that person, yeah, if but, you bring that person into your campaign as part of the reasons to support you, then they also count as reasons against you. No. Oh no, yeah. No, I don't think so. I think, and th and this reminds me very much of what happened to Sarah Palin with her her child who had Down syndrome. You know, what choice did she have to bring? He had to be brought into the campaign. Yeah. He was and discussed me, endlessly by the left as okay. being. I mean, there were people who said she should have aborted him. There were. I mean, there were awful things being said at that time. So whether you bring them in or not, they are a part of it. People want to know who your family is. Your family is going to be there to support you. Right. You know, look, a five-year-old has no say over this. Therefore, yeah, they, but you they have just, a say. You have a say as the parent whether or not to bring them in. If, listen, what are you going to do, hide them in the house? No, if you're, what, bringing, you if you're bringing that person into the conversation, why am I not allowed to talk in the conversation? But, but is Don't your bring definition them, if you, of bringing them, is if your you're definition them of bringing on, them in? If you're going to bring them up on stage and campaign with them, you've brought them into but, the conversation. But if you didn't bring them up on stage, everybody would be like, where's the family? Why no, are they not no, here? No, you would say, why isn't your family here? You'd say, I'm not bringing my family into this because I don't want them attacked. Period. Um, and people would call that weak and it would be attacked. Look, the the fact of the matter is I I, I do care. not think kid, kids should ever be unless there is. Look, if your kid has a drug problem and he's a teenager, there's a very good chance people might want to know that because it could mean your attention is yeah. divided as president. Yeah. That you're not paying attention to the things yeah. you should be. So. You know, and to me, that really, example, that ultimately would be fair game as well, I suppose. But if you I just, bring them, I don't know about you, wives, but kids definitely never. I, if you I don't bring them you. into the conversation, why am They're I not in allowed, it already? Why am I not allowed to talk about it? if you bring it specifically into the conversation? If I never bring it up, you bring it up first. Why can I not respond? Well, that's different. I I think if you're bringing the kids up verbally and talking about them as a reason that you should be, but if they're but just that's what it is when you presence, bring them, but you can bring them have, up on stage for the pretty photo. That's what you're doing. 
It's, I it's mean, a, do you go a, to your kids' concerts? You got look. A debate is like a glorified children's concert, okay? Especially this campaign what season. You so your family about? goes to support you. Mind. Their families go to support them. They join them on stage after. Right. I don't it go is, up on stage after my daughter's recital. Yeah, because no one wants to see you. <laughs> Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's that. But the point, my point, I mean, obviously a, a terrible example, and I was looking for an end to make fun of you, which you just gave me. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think we go to events for our family, for our family yeah, members. Yeah, and yeah, if yeah. your husband is running for president, of course, your kids are going to be there with you. It would be strange for them not to be. Hey, you're going to campaign with them and take the pretty pictures and pose the pictures because it shows what a great candidate you are. Then you have brought them into the conversation. Okay, we need to me. do a poll on this because I can't believe we're even debating this. Okay, it should always be okay, open. Okay, poll open now. I vote in favor of me. Okay, it's one to nothing. Poll closed. And, well, we can't call Unanimously. Sarah because we know she'll be like, target the children. Um, <laughs> target the unborn children. <laughs> Uh, no, I think maybe Sarah would agree with me, but no. the, the point, the point is you're wrong. But as far as wives go, I mean, when Michelle Obama said for the first time in my adult life, I'm proud of my country. And I remember yeah. it cause I was so horrified by right. it, um, at the time that was different. That was on right. the campaign trail. That was something that was said on the campaign trail. I think nude pictures are, you know, it's, it's, if you've taken public nude pictures, right, they're fair right, game. Right. Okay. Right. Now I understand. Here's here's where I will offer a little caveat. Not caveat. I understand the argument against bringing children into it, especially minors, minors, anybody under eighteen. I get that argument. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I get it. Wives are totally fair game. Now here's what here's why I I like for the wives to be fair game because it shows the world the type of person you are. So. It shows that we have seen in the last few days the kind of person that Ted Cruz is and the kind of person that Donald Trump is. And Ted Cruz is a man who doesn't get pissy until you mess with his wife and kids. And then he throws down, which I think most American males can appreciate and relate to, regardless of politics. And Trump showed himself to be a dirtbag. Period. And... And, and that's one of the many reasons to bring allow wives, spouses to be brought into it. Uh, you think we shouldn't bring Hillary's spouse into this? No, I look, I'm saying I think it depends on what we're attacking. I think it depends to me. And I'm speaking, I'm speaking what I think is right, what I think is morally right. I don't think it's morally right to ever bring kids in. And as far as wives go, I don't think it's morally right to go after somebody's appearance, to go after the way they look. If Ted, Cru Ted Cruz's wife says something that sounds crazy, um, or has said something in the past that sounds crazy to some people, yeah. sure, go after it. That's different. Yeah. The nude pictures thing, yeah, I mean, it's going to be brought up. I'm not sure there's much to make fun of of Melania Trump naked, but okay. Um, you know, you could <laughs> say it's not classy. It's not, which I think Bad is decision-making, yeah. Right. No, no, exa exactly. You know, but look, if we were all judged, if most of us, not you because you're like, you know, Puri McPure, Chris, but if most of us were judged on the things that we did when we were younger, yeah. we would never be eligible for anything, right? So... It's it's a mix. It's you got to try to figure out the, what the balance is. I'm not totally opposed to bringing things up that wives do, but I am when it comes to kids. Well, you're just you just are too nice. You're just too Christian. That's the problem. So okay, so going back to the Ted Cruz thing. Now, there is this National Enquirer interview, not interview report or expose or something alleging that there are these affairs. Nobody with any sense believes it. Okay, now to. Be granted, what did we talk about earlier about the the national National Enquirer? They were right about your uh, your affair, Chris. Right, <laughs> my many. As um, if I could get more than one. I somehow convinced the wife I have to sleep with me. As if I could convince <laughs> any other woman to do so. 
The Church Boys. X-rated it unleashed. Not enough money in the world for me to convince other women to sleep with me, even if I wanted to. But what if we said... I probably agree. I agree. That's probably true. But... You know, I, I I don't know. I think obviously these these rag magazines come up with all sorts of things, right? right? I and mean, they, there's all sorts of random things. You it's know, it's the whole blind squirrel finding a nut thing, right? But right, 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 right. Um, so to me, it's sort of like, okay, this is another smear. Absolutely is it possible? It's, it's true. I mean, anything's oh, possible. Yeah. And and as much as I admire and like Ted Cruz and do not believe this story, would it surprise me if it were true? I guess it would surprise me. It wouldn't shock me. No, because I nothing shocks me anymore about our politics. Like if Hillary Clinton walked out of her house and unzipped her costume and was like, I am a Cleon, I'd be like, this is not surprising. That's not surprising at all. In fact, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> you said unzipped. I thought you were going somewhere else. <laughs> so, on this Ted Cruz thing, so apparently a rabid, and we're going to have to bleep this in some of this in post, but apparently a rabid, <laughs> and I and I downloaded this video just in case it got pulled. <laughs> it's some. It's, it's amazing how Sarah Rivette disguised her voice in this in this video. Some Trump supporter <laughs> apparently has proof. Okay, so let's just because it was it's like a minute and it's on YouTube. Okay, he's got proof of Ted Cruz and his bad behavior. Play Sarah's video. Okay, here we go. Well, Ted Cruz here. He uh, he's saying Donald Trump's scared of him, but hey, Donald Trump's not scared, and he's saying Donald Trump is uh, <laughs> insulting his old lady, but he Donald Trump is just telling the truth there, Ted. And there's I've got evidence, and I'll leave links um, where Ted Cruz has been messing around with five different women. I got the videos where links were to uh, videos of uh, Ted Cruz eating boogers. Okay, and this guy's a as a <laughs> and he loses his temper. He makes threats, and I don't want this guy with his hand on the button. Okay, Donald Trump is the is the man to vote for, and this guy right here, I even doubt he's even an American citizen. Okay, but I'm for, for damn sure he's a womanizer and a lying <laughs> and, and he attacked Donald Trump's wife. Okay. And Don, Donald Trump's got a fine wife, and, and you're a bitch, dude. You need to leave Donald Trump the alone. You just need to get out of the damn race, punk. You're, you're f***ing up America. <laughs> well, <Ted's> Sorry. <laughs> Wait. Can we just address one thing? The only part of Sarah's video... I love, I love that I keep saying this is Sarah disguising her video. The only thing about this video that might be remotely true is that there was a mystery booger... <laughs> It was a, it was something that was on his lip during that debate a couple it, it a couple weeks either, ago. It was either a yeah. booger or a lip thing or a you know it happens right oh yeah, yeah or something that had been caught in your teeth and got on your lip or something. And I noticed right, it when, 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 anyway it was it was very. I have disturbing. to be honest with you. I almost gagged when I watched the I video of it entering his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you you listen to that unhinged rant, and I'm. Who it sounded knows? reasonable and, to me. And we don't know. We don't know the veracity. We don't know. It might just be some goofball making something, some funny you know, little video, YouTube clip. I don't know. Or the but result it made of me Sarah laugh. Rivette's latest pregnancy rage. Right. But the, the idea, Ted Cruz flies off the handle and attacks people. Like he loses his temper. What are you talking about? Ted Cruz is the 
of all the candidates who have run in the last 50 years, he seems like the one who's least likely to lose his temper and fly off the handle and attack people. He has not attacked Donald Trump's wife. Nobody would. What? Just, <laughs> and I love the fact that he's got he's got two main accusations here. One, Ted Cruz is a, is a liar who had... Uh, affairs with at least five different women and this guy's got evidence and two ted cruz eats boogers and and one of those might be true in fairness <laughs> i can't oh uh, how I how, mean, how I, bad I, is it that we're more disturbed by the idea of him eating boogers than having affairs? <laughs> not more grossed out by it for sure i don't know <laughs> It was a big white mystery. It was mystery ogre. It was disturbing. <laughs> Don't you remember? I I remember messaging oh. you the night of that. What was that on his lip? I, I remember know. like I saying, watched "What it happen. was that?" I'm like, "What is? Is any?" I'm thinking. I'm sitting, of course, by myself in my office watching the the debate. I'm going, "Is anybody else seeing?" As I'm looking around, there's nobody in the room. I'm like, is anybody else seeing what I'm seeing? What is? What it is actually, on his mouth? It sprouted arms and legs and crawled into his mouth. I mean, it, it was, was it really was... weird. And then I thought maybe it was just something on the camera or something had floated, but it just, it moved. I mean, you could it see moved. It, it was at one spot and I thought, and it went away from Ted and you went back to Cruz and you look and it had moved. And I'm like, it oh, walked. is there a, is it, I mean, is there a bug on the, is there like a fly or something? Well, no, it's white. What, what is going, and it was so disturbing. It, it really, it might've done the tango at one moment on his lip. I'm not sure. I have but. enough trouble paying attention already. <laughs> Doing that did not help me at all. Okay. Um, we should move on from the booger because... <laughs> do we need an awkward transition or do you want to take a break? Let's do an awkward transition. Okay, here we go. Oh, of course. Guess what? Guess guess, guess what dummy in this room <laughs> didn't unmute the uh, iPad. Try that again. Yes. Billy. Um, we're going to transition to pornography. Because Yay. why not? Uh, mystery booger eating to pornography. This show really deserves an award uh, because we have an eclectic array of subjects. And but this is actually sort of a serious topic, and it's the Brie Olson. Yeah, you're not going to be happy with me after we talk about this. Oh boy, um, Brie Olson, who's a who's a former porn star, ex porn star, who also dated Charlie Sheen. She was one of the goddesses, I think, who lived with him in that very strange period of time where right. women, numerous women were, were apparently living with him. Um, we've done a lot of porn stories on the blaze, a lot of a lot of porn star stories. Well, I mean, and as we showed last week, you're the porn expert because you you were able to recognize porn stars in Ted Cruz commercials. <laughs> so easily. Uh, we still should have her on the show. She was an interesting. Wait, her, her fifteen who? minutes are gone, but we should. The porn, um, the porn star. Yeah, she offered to come on. She did. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me this? Maybe know. you did. I just wasn't listening. I probably did. But anyway. Oh wait, I have a yawn coming. <sighs> All right. So, so this particular porn star, former porn porn star, Brie Olson. How former? Uh, former. She's not a porn star. I mean, now. I mean, how how much former? I mean, like uh, I think 2011 like last, last week was the last time or what are we talking about? <laughs> 2011, here? I think. OK, so um, not th- I mean, former, but not that former. I mean, right. So she she put together she recorded a video It was through this film project. Um, Real women, real stories, I guess. I don't know much about yeah. it, but put this video together and she talked about there were really parts of it that were easy to resonate with. And other parts, I was like, well, wait a minute. I don't I didn't like some elements about it. And I can get to that after. But the premise of this was how people treat her 
in society as a porn star as somebody who left porn. Um, and you know, the mistreatment, people not wanting to be friends with no. her and she, you know, and why all did, that. So that's did the she, general recap. Of why it. did she leave porn? She didn't really get into that, but I, you know, she's just tired she's, of it. I don't know. I mean, she, she was making between 30 and $60,000 a month. Yeah. So, you know, she left a lot of money on the table. I think she wanted to transition into regular acting. Right. Um, right. So like yeah. Skinamax instead of, you know, straight up hardcore oh porn. Boy. Oh, boy. So she and she did. She's been in a few little things, I think, um, over the years. And she's got over a million followers on face on Twitter. She's verified. Oh, she I and mean, she's she's been around. You know, she's been out there. But anyway, the the thing that was different, though, we've had people on the show. We've had former porn stars on and they've talked to us extensively about leaving porn behind, becoming Christians, changing their life. This girl, Brie, was telling young women don't enter porn, but the reasons were very different um, from that. They had to do more with the way you'll be treated, what you'll what you'll go through it, because of the stigma. She didn't seem to really have a problem at all with porn itself, which was strange well, because yeah. most of these stars who leave do. Right. Yeah. So so that's where um, hmm. I don't feel bad for her. Because she hasn't made a life change. She's just gotten out of the industry. She doesn't have a problem with porn. She doesn't have a problem with doing it. She could go back to doing it tomorrow. She doesn't have an issue with it. And yet she's being, quote, what is it, slut-shamed or whatever the term is now. Listen, if you act like a slut, guess what? Society oh is going to treat you like a slut. Oh, boy. Right? And I'm not saying that she is one. I'm saying that if you act like one, you're going to be treated like one. And so... I don't understand. You're not sorry for being in porn. It's not like it's not like these former porn stars who have repented and then trying to live a better life. It's no, she just got out of it because she wants to do something else. She's not making a moral case or religious case against porn. She's not advising girls not to get into porn because it will ruin your life because of moral issues. She's saying don't do it because people will pick on you and look down on you. You know why people will pick on you and look down on you? Because you're doing something incredibly freaking stupid. That's why. And because you're hurting people's lives. People look at me like I'm a pedophile. No, they look at you like you're a porn star. Not like you're a pedophile. But they think that I'm ruining people's lives or children's lives. You are, by the way. That doesn't make you a pedophile, but you are hurting children and adults and marriages and society as a whole. So that's on you. So I don't have a... Again, I don't think you should be, I'm not someone who thinks you should be mean to people, but if you act in a certain way, expect to be treated in a certain way. I guess, is it right to treat her in that way as Christians? Did she say Christians were doing it or just society in general? I'm saying in, ge I'm saying in general. If, if, well, I, I'm saying as Christians, should because I am sure a lot of the people who mistreat her are probably Christians. There are things, sure, there are things in society we should look down on. We still have to love people, but you should look right, down on... Right. Uh, listen, she wouldn't make the same argument for hookers, would be my guess. And she wouldn't expect the same sympathy for hookers. What's the difference between being a, a hardcore porn star and being a hooker? What's the difference? Yeah, I mean, there's... One's there's, legal and really one isn't. Same, That's the difference. Yeah. They're exactly the same, but one's legal. And the fact is, you would look down on the prostitute... And you, you would look down on prostitution, which you are right to do. That doesn't mean you look down necessarily on the person. You still have to love the person. But don't, I think she's maybe, I mean, I don't know. Losing jobs 
because people find out you're a porn star doesn't mean they're looking down on you. It's they're looking down on the things that you embrace. And yeah, so, I mean, I, I, she, I, 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 whatever. There was a quote from last summer that she that she had. It was a statement she had put out, and I have some of it here, but I want to look for I want to look for the rest of it because I think it's kind of interesting. Um, hold on, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Well, and look, so as you look for that, she has this tweet that she tweeted last year to young girls. You write. This is a story you wrote. I didn't find Jesus. I don't hate porn. I didn't have any bad experiences, but trust me when I tell you not to do it. Again, there's no. She makes no moral case against pornography. Right. Yeah. Um, She's. It's know. only self-preservation. It has nothing to do with any sort of moral alignment of any kind. Um, which porn isn't bad. How people will treat you for the rest of your life is, and not everyone. Exactly. There's exceptions, but if your goal is to go hang out with a bunch of straight female hipsters in Silver Lake, that will never happen for you if you do porn. Um, right. So it's if if you want to go hang out with rich people, don't do porn. Not don't do porn because it will ruin your life because of moral problems and emotional problems. She also problems. said. Um, People are very strange. Even I am guilty of thinking something must be wrong with a woman if she did porn. Um, and then she why? also said, <laughs> it's so easy to F kids up. Do you really want them to go through their childhood with kids at school teasing them or parents not allowing their kids to have sleepovers at your house because you once did porn? And I think you're running some kind of porn circus at your house. Yeah, it's, it's strange. Billy, it's kind of a strange statement. If you found out that one of Ava's friend's moms had done porn a few years ago and is now out of the industry but didn't oppose porn would you let Ava stay at that friend's house uh no okay you are obviously a bigot who's picking on people like Brie Olson and you should no. feel horrible for that no no you're a sensible responsible parent right and it has yeah. and religion and your religion frankly wouldn't enter into it because you wouldn't if you had any sense even as a non-christian parent you would go hmm Maybe not the place for my kid to have a sleepover because there's going to be other things happening other than sleeping, perhaps. Um, maybe the house she is. Tweeted, she you'll tweeted. You'll appreciate something. this. Maybe the house is filled with demons. She tweeted something 25 minutes ago. Every like, time I think about going back to school, I Google sex workers' experience and I'm back to the drawing board. Uh, I'm not really sure what. Uh, look, I mean. Do not Google sex workers' experience. <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I admire that she's telling I'll give her this. It's good that she's telling young people to um not do porn. I think she's missing the point. Um she's missing some of the points and doesn't quite understand the damage the damage that porn does. Yeah. And and that is I think that is the the bigger issue. I think we should treat people kindly and we don't have to like what they do and we can we can you know point out that this is wrong. Right. I don't I don't think I don't think anybody should be treated Badly, but I don't know that a concern about a kid sleeping over or something is a bad thing. I think that that's different. That's not treating way, somebody badly, right? Treating somebody badly is calling them names, you know, right. chastising them, mistreating them, right? And so now, these are different right. things. And that enters in, you know, I brought up the term earlier, but I'm not necessarily opposed to slut shaming. Again, I'm not talking about simply pointing at somebody, nah, 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 but I'm saying you should be ashamed about your behavior, and which will hopefully lead you to changing your behavior. So. That's where I, I'm into, uh, if it's fat shaming, or oh, thank you very much, or slut shaming, or you know booger eating shaming, or whatever it is, if shaming you causes you to stop a bad behavior, an unhealthy behavior, 
maybe it's not a bad thing. But <sighs> I know, I know, I know. I don't disagree with some of your sentiments. But you do I don't, think I mean, I don't know. Animal. I think fat shaming is uh, can be a little different. I, you know, look, I don't think we need to shame people. I think we need to engage people. Um, well, yeah, but the know. problem is that if you if you tell a person um, you need to lose weight, they'll say you're fat shaming. So, well, that, yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, I'm, it's that's a, it's oversensitivity of all the snowflakes in America now. Yeah, do so. we need to go and tell people? Because I'll be honest, I joke about being overweight all the time, and I think it's fine. We joke about it, and I don't yeah, get offended. Yeah. But there are some people when they don't know you well enough, and they make a comment about you, where it's kind of like, eh. Like, I wouldn't go and say something to you, right? Like, if somebody's, and I don't even, I can't even think of a good example. There are times that I don't get offended by things very easily. And it's right. not even that I'm offended. I'm more like, <laughs> why do you think you have the right to joke with me like that? We don't, we're right. not friends like that, right? right? right. 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 Um, right. right. Would I call that shaming? No, I would just call it sort of weird because I might think your hair is silly or you're tiny or yeah. you're too small or you're whatever. And I'm not right. saying it and to small you. Small hands. <laughs> right. You may have small hands <laughs> like some presidential candidates allegedly do. But I don't know. So, I just think we should probably watch how we're treating people. And there's a nice way to say and do things, right? Yeah. Um, so she, Brie has a point in that we shouldn't say and do things nastily and negatively without a purpose. But it's but here's the here's the problem. If you if Brie's having a conversation and I say and and, and it's a public conversation, he's, she's engaging in dialogue, and I say you're engaging in bad behavior. You're slut shaming. Yeah, or, I agree. With you, or, that's or, not, that's not, or people yeah. who go on TV and they're dressed in certain ways. I mean. I don't know how they get away with it. What's the, my wife used to watch those shows where they would dress people who didn't dress well, right? They, they their film their their friends would get would get them on these you know A and E not A and E shows but TLC kinds of shows, and so they would go into their wardrobe and throw out all their clothes and take them out to to go shopping and that sort of thing, and they were very nice in the way that they would address these people. But I'm like, why don't you tell the person you're about sixty pounds overweight and you don't look good in that top, right? Right. You know, if buttons could talk, they'd be screaming right now. Those okay, kinds of things. That, that is me. Instead but I'm just saying. But I'm, ju I'm just saying. You, you look like a muffin top. Take you, it off. Right, and you that's look, a little nicer. I mean, you ought to be able to say to somebody, if someone, and I'm not saying you, you publicly shame them in front of a bunch of people, but if they go on television thinking they look, it's like, why Simon Cowell? Why, why did we like Simon Cowell? Because he told the person the truth about the reason they were there, and that is their singing, Right. If someone's going to go on and think that they look nice, you, you, why is it so bad to say, you know, you really don't look good in that outfit. You're about 80 pounds overweight. You're coming on thinking you look good. This is about you looking good. You think you look good. You need to lose weight. You look so terrible. You'll be voting, you'll be voting for Donald Trump in November is what you're saying. <laughs> there you go. I'm you're new, making a case. You realize you're slightly making a case for Donald Trump. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just, I just, I think that people are too sensitive about things. Now, anyway, I'm, you don't go, I, I, I don't, don't think you I go around, I, I don't think you go around finding people who are fat and pointing them and go, you're fat and you need to lose weight. I don't think that's the way you do it. I don't think that that's appropriate. But somebody who's a public figure saying, you know what, you're overweight and you need to lose some weight because you don't look good. If you're a public figure out there making money off your image and your public image, it's why libel laws and, you know, slander laws are so loose for public figures. Because you can say you're allowed to talk about them because they put themselves out there to be talked about. But whatever. You're awful. I am. I'm a horrible, hateful person. Let's take a break. We'll come back. And we've got an interview with... Do we want to do the uh, the God interview first? Yeah. Let's okay. Do more, let's, yeah, let's do okay. our actor friend. So we have, a, we have a very special... 
very cool interview coming up here right after the break. We will be right back. Back to the church boys. So we have a very, very, very sort of crazy interview. I can't even believe we trying to remember what it is you were going to talk about. No, I saw something out of the corner of my eye and it made me really hungry. Uh, this like eating. It wasn't eating one of your only... children, was it? No. Okay. <laughs> No, it was a rapper. Um, but eating Candy rappers just lying. <laughs> I'm eating fruit, vegetable, and I had a little bit of cheese today. And, tell and people all about fairness. Your, tell people about your diet. But it's not even, no, no, Chris, it's not a diet, as you would say. It's a, it's a life change. It's a transformation. <laughs> I've never um, said. I've never said it's a life change oh, or a transformation. I'm just pounds. Oh. Um, <laughs> it is a. I guess it's just a new way of trying to eat. Of Be a I, diet. you know. I, my goal is to be an animal on the weekends, to eat whatever I want, to eat garbage, and then to eat decently during the week. Because that works out well for alcoholics. <laughs> um, now, I mean, I'm still going to be controlled on the weekends. Uh-huh. But, like, so Nobody believes that. Fruit, vegetable, white meat, mainly. With a little bit of bread here, and like a little bit of, not bread, but like a little bit of cheating during the week. Like on Thursdays, a little bit of rice maybe. Fish or on a rat, Fridays. Maybe. What? Fish on Fridays. And then, um, you know, like Friday night tonight, we're having um, chili with no beans, um, turkey chili with no beans so, and corn. So there's no corn. So you're having turkey chili with corn, with no, no corn, no corn. No, we are having no corn. corn. Oh, you are having corn. Yeah. No beans. Gotcha. So it's just really more. <laughs> it's sauce and turkey. basically. <laughs> you're, you're having turkey and corn. That's what you're having. It's like soup. It's a soup. <laughs> okay. Um, but we've had it before, and actually, we don't really like beans very much, so oh, it's I good. It's just without chili, beans. Other fantastic. Else. I love beans and chili. Um, yeah, of course you do. Um, so, you know, but I mean, I'm excited about dinner tonight because my other dinners have been a little bit rough, but this one will be good. And I, I lost six pounds in like three days, so it's good. It's working. Were you ill? Nope. Sorry, I'm grabbing something over here. Nope. I worked out. I only worked out twice. You know, I'm not working out too much because of time issues. But well, like, I worked hate, out a little bit. I'd hate for you to have to work out too much. The, the nearest, <laughs> the nearest treadmill for you is miles away. Oh, I wait. was on the treadmill last night. Oh, wait, oh wait, what is that? What is that covered with laundry back there? <laughs> I did the treadmill last night. I'm going to do the elliptical tonight. Uh-huh. Uh So you know, look, it's time. I lose forty pounds every <laughs> four to five years. Well, which is, you know, which is an average of about eight pounds a year, and right. you're six, you're seventy five percent of the way. I lose the weight in like a three month period, and then I slowly gain it back over <laughs> the, the next few years. So right now, I'm going to lose the weight by summertime, oh. and then just, in, just start, soon enough to look good in a speedo. Right, and right. exactly, and then oh, that's maybe a, keep the it most off disturbing the issue. But, that's the most. That's almost as disturbing as Ted Cruz eating boogers. <laughs> almost. Um, so you talking? You were talking about beans, and I had to go grab something in my office. Do you want my? Oh do- wait, no, we were introducing an interview. Yeah, but let me. So you were talking about beans, and made me think, and I realized this had been left on the floor in my office here. My daughter's favorite. My my two year old. My two year old daughter. Her favorite new toy right now. I'll show you. A whoopee cushion. Yes. Daddy blow it up. Daddy blow it up. I'll blow it up. She'll squeeze it. <laughs> Daddy blow it up. Daddy blow it up. Blow it. Squeeze. <laughs> I mean, she can do it for hours. 
Anyway, I thought I I'd show it. you that. I love it. Kids are great. All right. Um, so back to this interview. So Morgan Freeman, you yes. know, the, the ever classy Morgan Freeman is being brought up after whoopee cushions, <laughs> beans, and booger eating. Um, <laughs> but Morgan Freeman is the executive producer and the host of this um, new show uh, about God that's going to be on National Geographic uh, channel. And it comes out April 3rd, I believe. Okay. Um, so I talked with him, and it's called The Story of God. I talked with him and two of the executive producers um, who are working with him. So it was a three-person interview. Yeah. Um, but but it was, you know, it was, I'm not going to spoil any of it, but it was intriguing. I asked him what God meant to him, what is God, you know, and I got an interesting answer, and people can make what they will make of that answer. But I think, I mean, look, they're doing a, a fascinating thing. They went around the world, I think, to 19 cities or something, wow. that cities that had attachments to faith and the history of faith. And each episode deals with a different issue, the afterlife, heaven, and people's experiences with those issues. It's not a Christian show. It's about all religion and how religion evolved and developed. But it will, it will be interesting. I did think. he curse at you? He did not. I so wanted to be on that interview. I know. I know. He, was, you, he was great. You didn't have the cojones to ask him to say that line for us, but... I didn't have any time to do anything. Uh-huh. Like you know, Jason, one of our editors, you know, wanted to, wanted me to ask other questions, and you know, we really had to stick to the top, the yeah. subject matter. It no, was I quick. I understand. You know, it was quick and rapid. Um, and in fact, they called early. I wasn't even prepared for them. They're like, okay, we're ready to go, and I'm like, oh, Whoa. all right. So and then, and so and and I'm not asking you to, to disparage him at all, but the, he has a reputation for being a prickly interview. Like not horribly pleasant to work with or interview. And I'm not saying that he was rude to you or that you think he was rude, but he has a reputation, whether it's and apparently it has been earned over the years that he's not mean or not. I shouldn't say rude, mean, but just kind of like prickly and, and difficult to gauge. Yeah. maybe. Yeah, he was very nice, but very hard to ask questions. And you'll hear in the interview. It's always fun to talk about interviews like the behind the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> you'll hear how he almost like he pauses a lot and so you're not sure okay is the question over can we move on and you know it's not always over and so you're about right. to say something else and he it's that long awkward pause he, he's a tough one to interview yeah. the other the other two producers were great yeah. and he was great too but they were very easy to interview what's your favorite what's your um, what's your favorite morgan freeman movie or appearance i don't know i don't know i don't really have a favorite i gotta be honest see i i enjoyed him in the in the red movie i thought he was great uh, with Bruce Willis, my favorite though. I mean, it's got to be Shawshank Redemption. I mean, he is. And I think he, I think he disliked being like the, playing that role too. Really? You don't? I think read an likes... interview with him last or, year with Fox did... where he had basically said that it was his least favorite role. I think. Do you think it's his least favorite just because of the role, or do you think it's his least favorite because that's what he's best known for is is being on that? Has no, I think it had something to do with the filming him. of it. I, I don't want to. I don't know. I have to. Well, I'll bring it up next week. We'll talk about it next week. But it had something to do with. <laughs> you know, he said obviously everyone loves the movie. He knows that, but it was it was a less pleasant yeah. one to film for him. Oh, it's a, I love that movie so much. Anyway, all right. So, uh, ready then? Let's roll it. Hey, it's Billy Hollowell, and I am here today with Morgan Freeman, James James Younger, and Laurie McCreary. How are you guys doing today? We're on top. Of it. <laughs> Good, thank you. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, chatting with me. You have a very exciting project coming out. It's The Story of God with Morgan Freeman, um, and it's an exploration of faith, religion. It's going to be premiering on National Geographic Channel on April 3rd. So I guess let's just dive right in. I'll throw the first question to you, uh, Morgan. Where did this idea originate? Take me through that. Oh, this originated in, uh, I think it originated in Turkey, Laurie, where... And I were in Istanbul one year, uh, I guess maybe six, 
or seven years ago. And uh, we were visiting the Hagia Sophia, the museum there that was originally a church and then it was a mosque and now it's a museum. And we were being shown around there and there were all these frescoes on the wall. And Laurie asked our guide if those frescoes had been covered up. They were religious frescoes, frescoes of Christian frescoes. Jesus. Yeah, like the, it looks like the left baby in a manger. It looks like the apostles talking to Jesus. And then down the way, there were three crosses. So Laurie says, so when this was a mosque, did they cover those frescoes up? And the guy was a little surprised. He said, no, it's a, Jesus, this is part of uh, Jesus is part of Islamic religious tradition. He's a prophet. We don't think of him as a god. He's a prophet. Well, this was news to the two of us. Um, filed that away and chalk it up to total ignorance. <laughs> but as time went on, and this thought festered, and then when we started doing through the wormhole and doing uh, subjects like um, creation, uh, afterlife, life after death, uh, the idea of that moment in Istanbul sort of came back and we had the good officers of James Younger to instruct us on how to proceed with it. <laughs> instruct? I don't think instruct. <laughs> right. We began having a good discussion about it and realized that... Well, that's what you get for prophetizing me. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that, you know, we started talking about if we, if we don't know, if we didn't know that Jesus' life was part of the Islamic tradition, then what are other things that we don't know? And if we don't know, we think I thought I was fairly well-read and well-traveled, and perhaps other people might not know what else we have in common, and this might be something good for us to explore together. That's a great point. I mean, I've been an evangelical Christian my whole life, personally, and I had not—I did not know about the, you know, Jesus connection to Islam until a couple of years ago, which, which I went 30 years not knowing that, which is exactly, sort of crazy. Exactly. So I think all of us, because we may, we may be, we may grow up in a particular tradition and then change, but, but one or two are probably the most we've ever been deep in in our life. And, and Morgan was saying earlier, you know, we, maybe you know that Hindus have uh, reincarnation mm -hmm. and uh, Buddhist monks meditate, but what's kind of the extent of the depth of knowledge that um, most of us have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like we know that the Hindus believe in reincarnation, but we didn't know that they didn't particularly care let me I want to ask each of you and I want to give you each a chance because I think it's fascinating a project like this um, you know what the biggest impact has been on you personally in terms of faith and I know that's different for every person if you were to sort of look at what you thought about faith and where you were before this project and where you are now with this project about to premiere um, we could start with you Morgan and then go James and then Lori what would you say that uh, change, if any, has been for you? Well, um, the over, over a lifetime of... of, of um, I would say, you know, right before this project, maybe where you stood, and, and right after the project, you know, just this particular project, how it maybe... Okay, no, no, I, no. Um, 
or my sense of faith or belief changed as a result of this project. My, I, I was broadened quite a bit, and my knowledge of what other people uh, encounter, what they believe, or, or how they exercise that belief. But personally, I don't feel there was a change in me. Fair uh, enough. How about you, James? I would say that um, I, what changed for me was just a realization of the emotional power of faith. That going to a, the, um, we went to a, a, there's a Buddhist teacher called the Karmapa, who is part of a reincarnating line of, of Buddhist teachers, kind of like the Dalai Lama, only slightly less famous, but older. Um, and he has a ceremony where all of his monks, hundreds of them, sit in this, in this temple and chant. This guy's and 29 years old. He's 29 years old. And most of his monks are about 12 or less. <laughs> but they're all chanting this great kind of bass, deep bass uh, play, the sound that's shaking the room and trumpets are blaring. And you, you just felt, felt yourself kind of lifted up by that or affected by that or transported into another state of mind. And you imagine they must have been too. And I, another similar thing happened when we were filming with the Navajo Nation. We filmed a young girl going through the ceremony where she goes from girlhood to womanhood called the Kinalda. And this process over four days, she is in this hogan in a hut and singing prayers and baking this giant corn cake. And But it's this big ordeal for her. A goal of it is to get her to connect to the Navajo holy people who in the mind of the Navajo still live on, on the land on the landscape. They're part of the landscape. You know, so the, the, the god the gods are part of nature. And if you're in the right state of mind you can connect with them. And at the end of this four day ritual, you know, you could just see I remember her parents like are pushing this power into her and her then being powered by this belief that she was connected to this the first Navajo girl. And that power, strength enabled her to like run out in the dawn, the freezing dawn towards the rising sun. So it was great to see that, to see that faith has real power to people. Absolutely. And how about you, Lori? Um, I think something in me settled in an interesting way. I have, so I grew up Christian. I've been at the same church in Los Angeles for 30 years. I'm a worship leader, kind of my, part of my world. And, um, but I'm also a, a, I'm a computer scientist, and I've often had people um, ask me, or I have told them through my life, I'm a Christian, and they know I'm a scientist, and they look at me a little askance, like, what? How can you be a Christian and scientist? And not a Christian scientist. Um, and um, one thing that settled for me is we were in uh, at the uh, Pontifico Academy of Science, which was a big aha for me that the uh, Catholic Church had an Academy of Science that's been around for some 400 years. And um, Monsignor, Monsignor Sanchez Sorondo was teaching us and talking to us about the Big Bang. We asked him about the Big Bang and creation. And, um, and I've always seen and heard people talk about how they're kind of on two different sides of the planet. You're either, you either believe in creation or you believe in the Big Bang. And he very clearly articulated something for me that I've always felt but didn't really know how to say it in words, which is, the Big Bang is the scientific explanation of creation, right. and the creation story from Genesis is the theological explanation of creation. The two do not counter 
contradict each other. And so I came away feeling just a little bit more centered in my own beliefs and also the fact that I'm a scientist and the two can coexist inside me. Yeah, and there's not, more and more scientists saying that, too. You know, there's more and more Christians who are scientists who, who, who are saying that, which I think is interesting. And, uh, and, and I think that is a huge uh, thing to take away from that. And you know, another question uh, for you, uh, Morgan, was there anything that shocked you in this process um, as you were going through any little tidbit, any element, maybe something new you didn't know before outside of what we discussed earlier? Only, I didn't know anything about Zoroastrianism. Uh, uh, that kind of shocked me, mainly because I didn't know anything about it. And when I found out about it, I found out I was one of its followers. Unknowingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what, and I know this is, it's like such a loaded question. I know you've been asked this in the past. You know, what, and this is a question you guys are dealing with in this series, but, you know, what is God and you, you just spoke to this. Obviously, you're, you're a Christian, Laurie. So, but what is God to you for, for James and for Morgan? You know, when someone asks that question, what comes to mind as an answer personally for you? I'm going to answer mine. In the Ten Commandments, there was one commandment that says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I buy that. Um, I would say that for me, God is the, the the meaning of God in my mind is an acceptance that I don't know everything, I can't know everything, and to embrace the idea that there's something beyond me can bring me closer to peace with being alive and bring me closer to other people. Very good. And... You know, one of the things I thought was interesting going through looking at the series, what you're covering, uh, the issues you're talking about, and Morgan, you spoke to this before, and, and sort of how you guys were looking at some of these issues in, the, in a previous series, and, you know, miracles, all of these things that the faithful are constantly talking about, and, and a lot of atheists have, take issue with some of these things, and I actually just got done talking with the little girl from Miracles from Heaven, the real-life little girl who's the subject of that movie, and you, know, you hear these stories, um, you know, in going through, uh, was there anything else? Because I thought it was interesting. You guys tackled the end times as well, which is a, a huge topic. You know, were there other subjects that you guys had to cut in going through this? Were there other things you wanted to cover and you couldn't? Um, take me through that process a little bit of, of how you chose. Well, I think that the two of the subjects, the beginning, creation and the end, what happens after you die, were kind of clear to us. There were a lot of others that we could have tackled in between, um, and I think what, it was a matter of how much time we had. Originally, six hours sounded like a lot of time, and then we realized very quickly, oh, no, we need, you know, 100 hours to really tackle. Yeah, we need a bigger boat. <laughs> and, um, and so I think that we pick the ones that come to mind very quickly when you start thinking about, like, when people talk about God, one of the first questions is, if God exists, why does he, why, why does he allow evil? Um, so we thought that the ones that we picked were ones that are... Um, that are the most quickly thought of when we talk speak about religion. Yeah, yeah. We also, but then we also uh, tack this one question: like, who is God? Like, yeah. what does God mean? To uh, you just answered that question. So, and that that was um, there are there are many more questions like that, which you know you don't necessarily ask yourself, but when you think about, they're they're fascinating. So yes, life, death, good and evil, miracles, um, you know, are all are all obvious questions, but religion works into our lives in so many more ways than that. 
so there are many more questions. We left a few things on the table. We didn't talk about prayer, really, or meditation. Yeah. Well, that's um, like a whole series in itself. Each of those exactly, <laughs> exactly. And now the story of God two or three. Or yeah, four. I was just going to add. Maybe maybe there'll be a, another series after this, which would be, which <laughs> yeah. would be great. Um, and and I know we're rounding out to the end of our time here. So, um, you know, Morgan, let me ask you this, and, and I'd love to hear from all of you if we have time here. But what is your end goal for the viewer? What do you want viewers to feel, to think, to do, if anything, after seeing this series? Well, the hope is that. Audiences will take away from this the realization that in all of human uh, existence, we all are seeking the same answers. We're all asking the same questions. We all pretty much have the same quest, that we all take different roads. We all, all roads lead in the same direction, that is, trying to on the hereafter uh, and the meaning of life itself. Very good. Very good. Uh, James uh, or Laura, do you, do you want to jump in on that or did, did Morgan pretty much cover it for you? I think that he pretty much covered it. I'd say that I, I would personally love for people to learn something about their own faith that they perhaps didn't know or learn something about someone else's faith that would spark a conversation that they might not have otherwise had with another person. Well, certainly learning that Jesus is part of Islamic tradition is going to get some... <laughs> some people's... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I'm a huge, fine. huge yeah. d detail. I mean, and, and, and a fascinating one considering the times that we're living in and, and there's so much divisiveness. And, you know, understanding that, I think, opens up a whole other area of conversation for people regardless of where they stand on, on faith. Well, well, listen, I appreciate uh, your time, and good luck with the series. We're looking forward to it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my So this week, um, Billy, you wrote up a story about... the. Uh, your friend um, uh, Whoopi Goldberg and uh, <laughs> actually I kind of like Whoopi Goldberg and uh, Ben Carson the the sleepy candidate. <laughs> so we were talking about something about him offering perspective and I go, how does he offer perspective on anything? His eyes are always closed. Uh, <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> but I, I you know like like the guy. But he was on the View this week and and you wrote up a story about this and what exactly happened because I can't take. You are a saint. You have, uh, if there is a purgatory, you have earned your way out of it because you watch more View than any any American male should be forced to. The uh, View is a torturous but also glorious experience oh. when uh. something ridiculous happens. So what happened? Because I well, mean, Whoopi, who I actually I, I don't agree with Whoopi on a lot, but I I do like her. I think she's a respectful person. She is a kind person, seems very nice. Um, she says some things I think are ridiculous sometimes. But in in this case, she you know just could not contain how annoyed she was with Ben Carson endorsing <laughs> Donald Trump. And you know, they're questioning Ben Carson, why would you do this? Da 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 and um you know Carson actually really held his own in the interview. I was impressed with him. Um <gasps> 
Boy, I'm sorry, even the mere mention of Ben Carson makes me tired. <laughs> um, but there was a point. <laughs> there, I, I liked Ben Carson, but there was a point in this exchange um, where Whoopi just couldn't take it anymore, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, the guy, the guy is. I'm sorry, he's a racist." And then she, you know, do, do we have it? Can we play it? Yeah, we do. Let me ask you this: Do you think Donald Trump is a racist? I'm not convinced of that. I think he may be. Well, I I don't know. I mean, I think we throw these labels around really, really easily in society. And I do, too. I think what he said about Mexicans was problematic intentionally, probably, in that it sounded like, oh, all of these pieces of garbage are coming into the country, and a few of them might be good people, whereas the opposite is probably true. Yeah. Um, you know, where some of them are criminals and most of them are I mean, okay, well, if they're violating the law and coming illegally, they're technically violating the law. But in right. terms of the type of people they are, um, it may not have been accurate what right. he said. And so th- that that is problematic. Is he a racist? I mean, a lot of people keep saying he is. I don't have concrete examples I, I could pull out to say this proves he there, is. There's nothing I, I don't believe he's a racist. I believe that he's I don't I don't believe he's sensitive. But I don't believe he's I think that when you when you speak just matter of factly, that does people think that you're something that you're not. You're just you might be blunt or unkind or unfeeling, but that doesn't make you a racist. And and the fact and people are talking about the, the anger of the of the Trump campaign. I think he's campaigning on American anger. I don't think that he's that angry because I really don't think there's anything for him to be angry about because I don't think that he believes in the principles that he's espousing right now enough to in order for him to be angry. I don't think he believes in those principles enough for him to be angry about the way those principles have allegedly been violated. Uh, Yeah, good point. I I think that's probably I I don't think he's that angry. I don't think he's that angry. I think he's just campaigning. He's found his niche. And this is what people were responding to. So, okay, I'll go with the anger thing. I don't think he's that angry. No. no. And, and you know, look, you can make off-color comments sometimes without being labeled something. I mean, there are times that we are all human and everybody, regardless of their race or ethnicity, sometimes says and believes and thinks things that are not appropriate or not okay, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... I just I keep hearing that charge and and look maybe people have great examples I don't know of them so right. I would not say I think Same. he is. Yep, I agree. All right, so what was it we're gonna oh, we're gonna play this thing from the View. All right, let's try. Now who's this first person asking the question in the red dress, long brown hair? Do you know? Um, red dress, long. Uh, it's not Whoopi. Paula Fer- is it Paula Ferris? Sure, I don't know. We're gonna see. I'm just gonna play all the it. way to the right. All the way to the right. No. In the clip. No, no, no. Right next to Ben Carson. Between- oh, su- Sunday something or other. Hostin, okay. Sunday, Sunday Hostin, I think right, her name is. Right here. Oh, we'll, we'll play this little clip here. No, he didn't admit any liability, any wrongdoing. It's very clear you know to those now? of us in the law that that means that there was something amiss, and it was a significant consent decree. So the, the notion that he is a fan of the African-American community, I, I think, is... Well, Trump, I will is, put it this way. I have, I, I have thought of his employees... Uh, including African Americans, uh, and they have nothing but good things to say. Somebody who's hired as many people as he has hired, and you can find very few people who. First, let me ask you: Do you believe that Carson has spoken to a bunch of people that <laughs> Trump's work for, and they have told him that he's not racist? Um, <clears throat> I would you believe imagine... that converse, those conversations actually happened, or do you think that I've met a bunch of his people? They happen to be minorities, and they didn't complain. Right. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
I agree with you. I think that's probably it. And this is Sonny Hostin. Hostin. I'm not sure how to say her name. Okay. So we'll go back to this here. I have anything negative to say. Well, what about and that? Then, well, okay. And, and then you have to look at his family. I always say one of the ways that you measure a person is looking at their children. And how do their children uh, act? Uh, his well, one's a big game hunter. I'm not thrilled with that. <laughs> So he says, you look at their well, children. Well, that's a big game. I'm not doing that. You got to look at their children and Joy Behar chimes in with this. this doing her best. Catch. Cats kill stick. And, but she it's said that. Did you, did you see Whoopi in that part of that clip? She goes. Mm-mm-mm. Like this crosses <laughs> I arms. do like her. She crosses her arms and leans back and just leans back, and just gives the mm-mm-mm, shakes her head. You know, does her little roll. She yeah, was, she's, she's she's gearing so up. Funny. She oh. can't contain it anymore. Because it, I I think well, you know one of the things I like about Whoopi is that I think she's genuine. Oh totally. You know. Anyway, I'm sorry. Okay, let's go back. <laughs> Joy what is, Behar. What is Joy Behar talking about? <laughs> it's a big game hunter. Oh, you know, it's always... a big game hunter. <laughs> go back because we've got to hear Joy say that again. Okay, here we go. I'm not a fan of that. I'm not thrilled with that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's your privilege. Yeah. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is, you know, they have been raised very well. They're very respectful. Uh, and, you know, I look at a lot of kids who come from very wealthy families, and I, I am at appalled at what I see. So there is no perfect person. But what I think is really the worst thing that threatens our nation right now is a political class, <coughs> a ruling class, and they are so threatened by anybody who is not beholding to them, they will do virtually anything. And you I think can, that's what's like that to destroy. the cows come home, sir. This guy is, I'm sorry, he's a racist and he's not good for the country. What's the alternative? And, I'm sorry, I just, I don't understand. He's not said about. The, the white supremacist, he hasn't really said to them, hey, listen, that's not what America stands for. He said, you know, I, it's too much. For, I, I, you're Ben Carson. But, you're so much better than this. Well, I am Ben Carson. And that's the very reason I'm doing this is because I look at the big picture. Could I focus only on racial issues? Absolutely. Could I focus only on women's issues? Absolutely. I could look at any one little thing and pick anybody apart on it. But right now, the nature of our country is at stake. We are on the precipice. And we are are determining what kind of nation we're going to be. Are we going to be a nation that... People yeah. or up formed by the government. This is a choice that we are making right now. Okay, if you're, you're gonna overlook about, what he says about Trump. women, if you're gonna overlook what he says about African Americans, what about what he said about you? He basically said that you had a pathological disease. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Okay, do we need any more? Or was no, there another no, clip? make it in, please. Okay. Um, no, I thought but, I thought his responses <laughs> were good responses. I actually thought um I actually thought he held his own. Like I said before, I think, you know, he did make a very good point about, you know, how he was pushed out and you didn't play this part. Basically, you know, isn't part of the political class. The political class was it was much easier to get rid of him than it is for Trump. And that that was one of the reasons he was supporting Trump, that he really feels like the political class has continued to mess this country up and that outsiders needed to come in. And I thought, you know, that's a legitimate people may disagree. They may think Trump's the wrong guy, but it's legitimate. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Whoopi is just. I don't think we had. We have to bring race into everything. You know, there was another 
there was another story that, you know, Urbanski put out this week about these students, these, we call them snowflakes, you know, these precious little snowflakes who are on, I think it was on the campus at you know, Emory University. And somebody had taken chalk and written Trump on all sorts of stairs and on the on the ground, you know, and like support Trump or vote for Trump. And it was all in chalk. And these people saying, oh, I feel afraid. I feel threatened because he's a racist. And it's like, just get over yourself. It's so exhausting being around these people and reading stories about these people and listening to these people. And I just want to just <laughs> makes me just shoot myself. It's awful. Oh. <sighs> I mean, these know. are people who were not beaten nearly enough as children. <laughs> you are really an I, awful I can't, creature. I can't stand these. The, the snowflakes, I can't a take them. A big game hunter. <laughs> it's a big game hunter. I mean, it's a big game hunter. I don't like that. It was Shut up, Joy. <laughs> such a weirdo. She is so weird. Have you watched Joy? I mean, she's the number one reason not to and to watch The View. Because she's... <laughs> It's she's awful. She just really is awful. But I mean, Whoopi's competent. I don't agree with her, but she's competent. Yeah, she's um, well, sure. Wasn't the, do you remember? Do you remember the video of Whoopi farting on the View? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason to watch, right? Because things like that can happen. She can just rip one right on live television. Okay. <laughs> Why was it? Oh my gosh! You know uh, these women. Well, I, you look. I love Candace Cameron Burr, and I think she's great, and I yeah. love that she's on that show. How can she's she not there every day? I wish she, she was. How does she? How does she? Have you talked with her? Know. How does she handle that? I mean, that's one we need to have her back on just to talk about being on the View and what is that whole what is that whole process like? What's it like to get ready for it? What's it like to be? What is your relationship like with these people? On she's nominated and for an air? Emmy. Really? They all are. Wow. They just got nominated for an Emmy for best uh, talk show. And I'm, I would be, I, uh, I'm sure they get nominated every year because there's only a limited number of shows. But, but I would like to ask her, how do you deal with this after the fact? Do you just say, you know what, this is just a TV show, this isn't real? I mean, is that? I, I'm curious because. Well, remember she came out and talked about the class she had with Raven Simone that time, and I think, you know, I would imagine she's a very nice person from my experience with her, and and I would imagine she can walk away from that. And you know, I'd love to get her on the show. She's like hard to book now. She's everywhere. She's they got renewed for season two of that Fuller House show. Right, right, right. Have you watched any of that yet? I haven't had a chance to watch any of it yet. I watched the first episode, and it's getting panned and slammed by a lot of people. But right, the the critics hate it. Uh, but I think fans like it because it feels like the original. There are a couple yeah. of jokes that are a little like uh, there were a couple of jokes. I was like, Ugh. you know, they're a little more advanced than they needed to be. Probably right. like right. there was a Karma Sutra joke in the first one. But yeah. I mean, compared comparatively to other shows, yeah. it's very yeah. family friendly. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think you're but you don't want your kid asking what's the Karma Sutra. Right. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> go ask your mom. <laughs> right. Go ask your mom. But overall, it feels very much like. um yeah. Like the original show. Is and it, is it goofy and stupid and silly? Yeah, but I think that's the, the point. Is it in the same house? In yes. That, in that townhouse in San Francisco yeah. or wherever? Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> it's, and I love, uh, you know, I, Dave Coulier, who did, he dated somebody like super sexy for a while. Well, who did he date for a while? Or was married to Well, I, I mean, I oh, know no, Alanis. Oh, no, I think no, no. Alanis, Alanis Morissette. That's who be. it was. That's who, no, I think Alanis Morissette sexy because of her music. I like Alanis Morissette. But yeah, she... She she wrote a song about him apparently right yeah like I think one of her so. hits it was on one of her albums one of her hits like one of her number one hits was about Dave Coulier of all people Dave Coulier 
I mean, I would well, be less. I would be less surprised if she said the song was about you. <laughs> I like her too. I, you know, she's she's edgy and she uses bad language and her music and stuff. But but she's talented and oh, she's yeah. had the most bizarre career. Remember, she yeah. was on that Nickelodeon show before she was oh, a singer. That's right. Ah, yeah. We need Alanis Morissette on the show. <laughs> well, and I love. I like her. I think she's incredibly talented. I like. I, well, so anyway, I like Dave Coulier because he's just goofy, right? And then there's uh, John Stamos, who I've just. He is dreamy. I mean, the guy's like, like 80. He's like 100 he's like, years I just, old. He's like 80 years old and he's still hot. And then uh, I just, I mean, you, I watched John Stamos on television. He just makes me smile just because he's just, he's just like charming. He's kind of like Rob Lowe in a lot of ways. Okay. I just sound like I want to go pick out curtains with him. And then Bob Saget. Now, have you ever listened to any of Bob Saget's stand up? He's apparently very, very vile. dirty. I cannot <laughs> tell you the shock it was to my system when I was, I think I was in college and, uh, and I listened to a, I, I watched a Bob Saget, you know, comedy special or something. And he, I'm like, how was this guy on full house? Because that is not the same person. I mean, he is dirty, not safe for children <laughs> or families. And but. they're actually not. I mean, I've only seen the first episode. From what I understand, they're not in the rest of the twelve from the first season. The rest of the twelve episodes, it's mainly just the three girls. Oh, really? It's so, really? Yeah, it's um, Candace Cameron, Jody Sweeten, and um, Andrea Barber who plays um, Kimmy Gibbler, the, oh, and then yeah, their yeah. kids. Right. And, and so it's a new generation. So and the, the first twin, episode has them all in there. But the after that, and the twins there. aren't on it. The twins are in the first. Oh, the twins are not Ashley and uh, no. Yeah. American Ashley, they did not want to participate. Apparently, did, did they explain why they're not on there? Is it, it, were they written out of the show? Like you know, the no, baby, they're the not baby was out killed. Of the, show. the baby was killed in a terrible house fire or something. Well, in fact, that was one of the strange things that they were panned for by some people. In the first episode, they break the fourth wall basically, and they they say, "Oh, they're studying fashion in you know," or she's oh, studying fashion in New York, real. and then they all turn to the camera and stare for like a few seconds with like an annoyed <laughs> look. I thought it was funny, you know. I love it. Um, That's great. Yeah, I think it's worth That's watching. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, it's a stupid, it silly show. It's yeah. worth watching. But that's um, what Full House was a stupid, silly show. But it was right. great family television. Right. So I can't speak for the whole series because no. I haven't seen it yet. No, yeah. I remember as a kid, we'd sit down as a as a family and watch that and have pizza, and it was fun. It was fun. It was a fun thing to do as a kid. All right. Now I want pizza. All right. So uh, it's like Easter now. It's time to wrap. It is. <laughs> No, not that kind. Ah, uh, you're awful. Any any Easter wishes for the people out there, Billy? Um, <laughs> he he is risen. Read your Bibles, not Qurans. Bibles. <laughs> Do read your Bibles. It's Happy Easter, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's it's hard to flip suddenly flip to serious when we've had a show like well, this today, and it's Easter time, and it's like wait. it's our Lord and Savior, and what's that? Hmm? The number one trend is cruise sex scandal on Twitter. Just to put it out there. Dun dun dun. <laughs> What about the booger eating? Oh, you're making me sick. It actually uh, makes me queasy every time I does, think about it. Yeah. So it's anyway. So anyway, with with all of that said, I just I gotta say a couple things. First of all, um, happy Easter. I hope everybody has a great time. And and also this. I got the videos where <laughs> links to uh, videos of uh, Ted Cruz eating boogers. And with that, we say adieu. <laughs> He's having boogers for his Easter dinner. Honey, what's that in your bonnet? <laughs> oh, man.
Church Boys.